Hello and welcome back to The Native and the Transplant. I'm your native, Alex Johnson. And I'm your transplant, Jen Bryant. Jen, how are you? Oh boy, that is a mixed bag of answers. <laughs> yes, yeah, and if you can't tell, my voice is a little bit off. I just, um, it's definitely pollen, not plague. A ditto. The, this, <laughs> you know, when you can see the clouds of pollen coming from the trees, you oh, know it's going to be a bad allergy day. When my white truck is yellow. Yeah, my, I know that my black Jeep is yellow. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. So if we clear our throats a little more today, please give us some grace on that. Uh, it is what it is. We just got to roll with it as far as, uh, you know, life in Colorado. Yeah. How are you, Alex? I'm doing good. Doing good. Aside from dealing with all of this, you know, sinus stuff, I've never, growing up here, I never had the issues. But as I get older, it seems that every year it gets worse and worse. So I don't know what that's all about, but um, I don't like it. Well, you know, there we'll just touch on something we're not going to talk about tonight. Um, <laughs> but there is some reports out saying that climate change actually has significantly added to an increase in allergies. And this is like one of the worst allergy seasons on record. So <laughs> we keep on talking about that, and that's a topic that we avoid. Um, but we need to probably queue it up at, at some so. point in time. I'm thinking the second week in July that we actually go into the climate change debate. All right. I'll get my research. <laughs> this, I'm ready. <laughs> I think that's going to be a fun one. And I'm going to be so searching for a, uh, a guest for that particular day, um, to see if we can have somebody, especially I, I've got a, uh, Friends of friends, I guess acquaintances that I've met that are um, climate scientists at CSU and down in Boulder. Okay. So I'm going to reach out to them and see if they would be willing to come on because that is the biggest frustration. And I guess why I have so many issues talking about it is if you aren't in lockstep with what the narrative is, the backlash is brutal. Alex, and that is the that is the conversation I think happening all over the country, not just with climate change. Correct. It seems to be absolutely everything, um, you know, even here locally. But really, before we dive into any yeah. of that or any sort of controversy, let's talk about the good because there is an awful lot of good that's happening. And this weekend uh, was one of them. You know, I was lucky enough. My daughter and I, we were able to participate in the Birth of Day Parade, and it's the first time in shoot almost two years because the last parade that I was in was the Fort Collins 4th of July parade in 2019 oh, man. being a part of the rugby club and doing that was that. the that, that was, was such the... a fun parade we had more fun throwing t-shirts and oh, all yeah. kinds of I stuff. lost my voice on that one yeah I think I did too actually it was really hot but man that was so much fun yes so it was good to be back doing a parade as as something as I don't know. There's just something about going down Main Street in a parade and both sides lined of just full of people from the community and being able to, to wave and, and see people that I haven't seen in a year. And you just, you know, you see their kids are growing up and you're like, holy cow. So it was just, it was a fun experience. I have a question for you. Yeah. So one of the things I noticed, I, I got a chance to go to Red Rocks on Sunday. Okay. And actually I went with your wife and another friend of ours. Yes. Um, kind of got a call like, hey, I got some tickets and I was like, I'm tired. I don't want to. I have to work early. Okay. It's live music <laughs> at Red Rocks. I'm in. Yep. Um, it was an amazing show. We saw uh, Michael Franti and his okay. band and another one. I can't remember their name, but I did save them to my Spotify list. They're <laughs> super uplifting. So, and this is something that I think a lot of people will get mad at me for, for being a native. 
and something that was supposed to happen last year, but because of the pandemic, didn't get to make it happen, yeah. is I've been to Red Rocks multiple times. I have never seen a live performance. I've never actually gone to a band and listened to a concert at Red Rocks. We're going to make that happen. Yeah, <laughs> I've got some things that I'm working on right now because I had some tickets for a show that was canceled last year. And the people that I was going to the show with are not going to be able to make it this year. What I have to do is I have to hunt down these tickets. And if I can find them, you, I already talked to your wife about this. We're going to go see oh. the Black Crows. Ah, yeah, that should be a good concert. I mean, I, I paid for the tickets. Now I just got to find them. So yeah. hopefully, but you, you'll be on the docket for that so we can make that happen. Yeah. That's one, one of the things that my wife always gives me crap about. She's like, how on earth are you a native to Colorado? And yet you've never seen a concert at Red Rocks. Well, I have a, I have a question for you. I'm yep. just thinking about, um, you know, that phenomenon when you go to a new city and everybody's face sort of looks familiar and you kind of think you're seeing friends in the crowd. Maybe it's happened once or twice. I ran into yeah. an old friend of mine in Florida and one in California, just like randomly they're standing in front of me and without intention. Right. But have you found now that people aren't wearing masks that you're seeing faces and you're like, I think I know <laughs> that person, but do you really know them? It's just, you want that to be somebody familiar. So, <laughs> my family and I, we went to uh, a wedding up in North Dakota. This was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And um, we had some fun time. We stopped in uh, South Dakota for two days on the way back. You know, did took my daughter to Mount Rushmore and did all of that fun yeah. stuff. You've got to go up there and see that. Yeah. It's so cool. But at the wedding, so it was one of my wife's family members and um, her cousin that oh, okay. was getting married. We have never met the groom. Going to, going to this wedding. And again, we're in Colorado. They're up in North Dakota. But the funny thing about it is we are at the wedding and this guy walks up to us and he says, are you guys from Colorado? Like, yeah. Are you from Berthoud? Yeah. Do you drink beer at City Star Brewery? No way. It was our bartender from City Star that was friends growing, that grew up with the groom. And it was the first time that we had ever seen him without a mask on was at a wedding. In now North that Dakota. is, that so, is crazy. Yeah. That What a fun story. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was crazy. So, but yeah, it's, uh, I understand where you're coming from on that. Where absolutely. When you go to a new city, all of a sudden you're like, do I know that person? Do wait, who, huh? <laughs> well, and I can say, you know, one of the things, one of the things that I, the, the whole mask thing, um, that I was actually pretty happy about was that, you know, sometimes you have that, what is your face doing versus what you're saying kind of situation. Um, and I was actually kind of happy about that because I don't, I, you know, we call it RBF. Yeah. Um, I won't go through that, but I don't know that I had. Do, RBF do you think... is resting B face. Yeah. Yes, if, you, face. If, you, if you aren't familiar with it. Yeah. And I don't really know that I have that. You can maybe let viewers know that. I don't think I do. I think I have a pretty expressive face, but I don't know that <laughs> he's giving me a look. You guys, he's not going to answer that question. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. There are certain times when you are in particular, when you are serious and researching a topic or doing something of that sort, and you are not focused on anything else around you, you absolutely do have RBF. That's legit, man. Yeah. But it's one of those that it's just that serious face and it's, you aren't expressing any emotion out of it. And it's yeah. just that, 
resting face. Yeah, so. that's funny. Well, I always, I had touted the whole, well, I'm wearing a mask so they can't see my REF. Um, but what's really interesting. Okay. So we're at Red Rocks. Picture it. We're probably, I think we were like ninth row. We actually, cause everybody kind of, we had a section. We went into our section. It was pretty cool. I got to go in an entrance to Red Rocks that we haven't, I've never been in. That was the most amazing view. Cause Red Rocks is I mean, the sound, of course, and I'm just rubbing it in right now, but, yeah, uh, I, I, I get you, but the view is part of the magic of that. And then to be able to be there and listen to live music and to turn around and look at all of the people behind us, seeing actual faces, it actually brought <laughs> me to tears and I don't have feelings. So <laughs> I mean, maybe a little bit, but you're a redhead. So yeah. You know. <laughs> right, Edmonton. Um, but that, it was really cool to see that. Did you, I, I bet they've kind of felt that way at the parade too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. And not only that, but then also, uh, seeing Johnstown went all out cause they had their barbecue day. Cool. Last Saturday. And so they, the entire downtown area had, um, just had vendors in it. It was shut down and they had fireworks last Saturday night. So and, cool. And, uh, I was actually out at Stillwater Ranch on Saturday night for cigars and s'mores. Um, because I sit on the board, they had invited me out, even though I'm not a veteran. And, uh, it was great just to sit down and talk with a bunch of these vets. But as I was driving home and going through, um, right around Carter Lake, yeah, looking out into the distance and seeing the fireworks was absolutely amazing. Um, that's pretty cool. The frustrating yeah. part frustrating part loveland does a phenomenal job on their fourth of july fireworks and yet for the second year yeah they aren't doing them at the lake they're doing a drive-in fireworks show at the ranch i i completely support their reasoning behind it i feel like you know just using caution all of those things it makes me so disappointed my favorite holiday is the fourth of july because having grown up in loveland although I'm not a native, but having grown up here, that's the first thing I tell people about the 4th of July show. Oh my gosh, yeah. the whole city's around the lake. You can hear the whole city cheer like that. That's right. That's home yeah. right there. I, when I didn't live here, when I was in school many years ago for the three years, I would sit out on my porch in a little tiny city that didn't do fireworks. Oh man. And I was so homesick. Like, Getting back to that lake was the best thing that had happened to me coming home. We moved, actually, it's funny, when we, the first time we moved, we waited, when we moved to Arkansas, we waited so I could see the 4th of July show. <laughs> and then when we moved home, we intentionally moved home the week before so that I could be there for the show. Wow. And I mean, just sitting on the roof, barbecuing with people, it, it's just that. I'm just so excited to get back to that. So I am also disappointed. I, I think they'll do a good job. I, apparently it was yeah. impressive last year. I was not here for that because I just couldn't stomach being in the city and not at the lake. Yeah. Well, and we didn't go um, last year just due to the fact that I didn't want to fight the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I know that that was something that a lot of people, I know a lot of people that went out to it and really enjoyed it. Um, but being in Bertha, it's a little bit different because Bertha does their fireworks show on the 3rd of July. Oh. And Part of the reason why is because uh, I think it was three or four years ago when they first started doing a fireworks show in Berthoud, everybody was already booked. And oh. so there was a company that said, well, we can't do you on the 4th of July, but 
we can do it on the third. Hope there's a discount to that. <laughs> the pyrotechnics group. Hey, there and you go. And so uh, it's just kind of become a tradition where Bertha does their fireworks show on the third of July, and then now with TPC, um, TPC does a, a good fireworks show on the fourth. Um, spell out what TPC is because it actually you had to tell me. I know what it is, but tell me the full name and what it is. Oh, the TPC. So TPC Colorado. I don't know what. TPC actually stands for, um, but that is the new PGA golf course that yep. has been put in in uh, in Berthet. So right now it's a part of the Corn Ferry Tournament while they're doing their full build out. Very cool. It actually is a really beautiful facility too. It is. I mean, backed up by those mountains, looks so good. <laughs> yes, indeed. So some of the other stuff that's exciting to be back is farmers markets. So I am on a majority of the Saturdays and Sundays, depending on what town you're in. Uh, Fort Collins, Loveland, Berthoud, Windsor, uh, Severance. Who am I missing? Uh, I think, does Windsor have one? I'm not sure. Windsor, Windsor. does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wellington, um, I believe, looking at it right now, um, it doesn't look like Wellington has one. Uh, Johnstown, Milliken. Very cool. When and is so, theirs? Um, looks like theirs are. Looks like theirs are on Saturdays. Very cool. So Larimer County, the Larimer County Farmer's Market up at the Larimer County Courthouse parking lot is on Saturdays as well. And then last week was the opening of the Loveland Farmer's Market there at Railroad Park. I got some of the best macarons there. Macarons? Macarons. Not macarons. Not the coconut things. Those little macarons. Those little French cookies. The little sandwich cookies. There's a, a vendor there that does amazing breads and i don't know if she just rolled them out and started do- doing them but whoa they were delicious <laughs> i had this raspberry cream one today that i like sat down and paused to eat it it was so good <laughs> i love macarons so macarons versus macaroons yeah macaroons are those little piles of burnt coconut <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'll eat them. But Fair enough. Fair macarons enough. are like the French sandwich yeah. soft cookies made with almond flour that just and, – and there's a technique to macarons that is really hard like humidity and, I mean, your mood, <laughs> <laughs> you know, can ruin a whole batch. And there's kind of been an influx of stuff um, – of actually there's a new shop opening in Windsor that really? has yeah, she um Paige, she crowdsourced to be able to open up and she is doing an amazing pro her macarons are so good. Um but they crowdsourced to get and she's it's called mini macarons. Yeah. Uh they're crazy good. I'm gonna have to stop and grab some. You're gonna have to. So currently right now I'll have to <laughs> add you to her info page but what she's doing, especially during the pandemic, which was very creative. She had a refrigerator outside of her house because they have to be kept in the fridge until about 15 minutes before you eat them. You'd buy them online, pay her via Venmo, and she would put your order out in the fridge and you could just run up and grab your order. Huh. Oh, yeah, they're good. (laughs) (laughs) They're good. That is the one great takeaway throughout this last year and throughout this whole pandemic is the ingenuity that has come out of it and so many different areas that people have just – come forth and said hey we can't do it the traditional way so we're going to make something new out of it yeah some of that stuff is food trucks and i know that they're starting some of the food truck roundups um which i'm always excited about because i enjoy i enjoy food trucks they're good (laughs) you know some of the best food comes out of food trucks too because they they may not have the overhead of that building but if you don't come to their truck and eat because it's good they don't exist yeah 
I mean, and they, I'll tell you, there are some really good ones around here too. Oh, Summit Tacos, uh, used to always be out in front of, um, City Star. That's yeah. how I got to know those guys. And then they opened up a brick and mortar store down in Longmont. So, but yeah, Summit Tacos is fantastic. And there's quite a few. I know, uh, my wife and I, um, shoot down to City Star probably at least once a week and just because they have a food truck Tuesday yeah. through Sunday. And just go to the brewery, have a beer or two, and eat at the food truck. Well, speaking of somebody that has food trucks pretty often, actually, we had um, Zed from Backyard Tap on I don't one of my first episodes, actually, um, but he's got a lot of stuff going on. So June 23rd, they just it sounds like they just did one today, um, but coming up in a couple weeks um, at the Backyard Tap there on 4th Street in Loveland from 4.30 to 6 p.m., he has, um, it's called is and brews and okay. it's um the loveland business development center getting people together to network and talk to each other and develop their businesses yeah it looks i mean that's a really i'm i want to go to the next one it looks cool you know get in there and talk to some people who are like-minded have a couple beers make some connections because that we i think you would be the first one to say one of the biggest things in business is your networking ability oh absolutely you know um, but he also has this Friday night, June 11th. Um, he's got a live band playing. Uh, they're called Ren and Ian. It's like, looks mm. like a, a duo team. They're actually really young. Um, but they're going to be playing there. And then the art space of Loveland at the same time is having a public art show as well. Awesome. Yeah. And then in downtown Loveland, cause I know you live in downtown. Yes. Um, are they shutting down four street again on Saturday nights to do live music? Well, they did this last week. Okay. Um, and there was a bunch of rain and stuff. A friend of mine a couple weeks ago actually played on the, on fourth street there, an old friend of mine from high school and it was a great show, but they are starting to do that more often. You know, I think that's one of the really cool things that we were able to have start happening downtown because of all of, you know, the shutdowns and stuff is people needed out of their houses. So let's do it outside, shut it down, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Well, I will say that the, the takeaway that we have gotten is restaurants were able to sell alcohol Yep, and you were able to take it home to go. (laughs) You're able to take alcohol to go. And that is now law. Right. You know, what's (laughs) really cool. you, You could still, if you're having that taco night and you want some margaritas, you can, Take margaritas to go. Go get a kit. Yeah. There, I, I know that there were several like smaller, um, bar and restaurants that were doing like a cocktail of the week kind of thing. And you would just pre order or pay for it and go pick up your cocktails. Yeah. Wicked did that, didn't they? I think so. Wicked yeah. With, uh, so they are kind of in the alleyway right to the side of Cactus. Yeah. They're and, on 4th Street in Loveland. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, the tequila bar where they were, they had some special mi- mixed drinks. I know I tried, I'm not a big tequila guy. I'm, I'm not because tequila yeah. doesn't really agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you were getting your money's worth when you picked up those. <laughs> well, they had that like red, white, and blue one yeah. last year that I heard more people talk about. He said, "You've got to go get this. It's the best I've ever had." Like, and I'm not a big tequila person. I didn't get a chance to get one, but they looked really cool. So. Um, okay, so other things that are coming up. Let's see. Oh, um, the Colorado Home Show. Yeah, the Colorado Home Show, I believe that's coming up on June 17th? Is 24th and 26th, through 26th. 24th through, is that the Home Show or is that the RV Show? I don't know. I wrote down Home Show, but I'll have to take a look. I'm pretty sure that that is the RV Show that's going to be taking place at the ranch, because the Home Show is in July, I think Uh, July 17th and 18th. Okay, so. So we've got a couple of these events that are coming up. Uh, Foodie Walk 
So they're bringing back the Foodie Walk in downtown Fort Collins. It's going to start on June 18th, and then it's going to be the, is this the third Thursday? Every third Friday. Every third Friday. Yep. Every third Friday they're going to be doing that. Well, and for our younger crowd, um, and I'm, I'm highlighting some stuff in Loveland because I found some – a lot of the museums are opening back up, by the way, in Fort Collins. Yep. Some really cool stuff happening up there, all kinds of cool exhibits, and, and make sure to check out their schedules. Um, but Wednesdays at the Plaza at the Foundry from 12 to 2, they're doing this event called Kids on the Plaza. Today – Wednesday. So yeah. um, today they actually had somebody out there playing ukuleles with kids and teaching them how to play the ukulele. Oh, that's awesome. That's so fun. So, and then again, we do have Father's Day coming up. One event that I'm kind of excited about is uh, actually down, <laughs> it's down in Longmont. It is at Left Hand Brewery. It's the Grateful Dad Day. That's so awesome. <laughs> what a great gimmick. <laughs> the Grateful Dad Day. Yeah. So, but that's actually going to be on June 20th um, down at Left Hand Brewery. So, but there's an awful lot of good stuff that's coming back, which is fantastic to see. Um, one other thing I do want to make sure we mention actually is, um, the food bank for Larimer County has started up their free lunch for kids 18 and under. Um, and I can just tell you the schools were doing all kinds of stuff over the summers. They have for a long time, but the food bank does that free lunch for kids. And these are not, it's not just a regular sack lunch. They're really good looking food. So if you, if you have a need or if your kids are home by themselves and they need to grab something, cause we're all working parents, you know, or not all of us, but parents, yeah. we all have jobs during the summer still. Um, but your kids can go there and get some free meals. So that's awesome. I highlight them cause they do a great job. Perfect. All right, so some of the other stuff that's happening is uh, Pooter, the the Pooter River, is it yeah. the Water Authority or is it the so Fire the Pooter, Department? Yeah, it's the Pooter Fire Authority, actually. Pooter Fire Authority uh, has issued kind of a stay-out order on the Pooter River right now because of how fast it's flowing. They're essentially begging people to stay out of the water. They have seen a very significant increase in water rescues, and I don't have to tell you, it seems like at least once a year and or a summer when this the water levels are this high, it is very, very dangerous. And we're talking about bodies being pulled out of the river. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do have a friend of a friend who lost a family member in the river. You know, it's devastating. These are young yeah. people. They're supposed to be physically fit. But when that water is that high, it's so unsafe. So please stay out of that water. And Lake Loveland Lovely. Lake. Yeah. yeah. So the swim beach at Loveland Lake has essentially been closed until at least June 19th because they have a significant shortage of lifeguards. That's super disappointing, especially considering it was 94 degrees today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they are asking people to avoid swimming at the lake. So just in our waterways, if you're going to go enjoy the water, great. But please do it within the parameters of, of those local enforcement groups saying do or do not. Yeah, it's it's a safety issue. and. I'm not a, a very strong swimmer, so I'm not going near him. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I, I swam yeah, yeah. competitively. I know. So. <laughs> I know. With your wife. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I'm great at floating, so but not good at swimming. So oh, That's all you really need. <laughs> <laughs> so, but speaking of safety and that sort of stuff, we had tornadoes that touched yeah. down. Did you get to see it at all? So, um how we were made aware of it is my brother and sister-in-law lived down in Mead. Oh yeah. And we got a photo that said, Hey, yeah, this was a strange walk today. And it was a picture of the tornado from their subdivision. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, wow, 
That's uh, even though it was on the other side of I-25 and they weren't in any danger, it's still not something that's comforting to be able to just, as you're taking a walk in the afternoon, to look out and see. Yeah, you know what I find funny about that? Coloradoans are a funny breed. And I, <laughs> here's, yeah. and I would, I would put my, I mean, you know, I grew up here, so obviously I'm, I'm a transplant, but, um, they said that this was actually one of the most photographed and videoed tornadoes in Colorado ever. You know, the one in 2018 that went through Windsor did all of that. Catastrophic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I said 18, you're right. I'm sorry, but 2008, uh, there was video of that, but not to this extent. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's, you know, cell phone availability and then social media blowing up and all of that stuff. But this one was what I find funny though. We weren't in our basement. We were all out with our video cameras trying to get, get, get a good video of it instead of, Oh, that's a tornado. I should hide. Yeah. <laughs> we were out taking videos. The Coloradoans, like I said, funny breed, just yeah. a bunch of weirdos. All of us. Well, cause you were coming back into Loveland. Uh, yeah, I had gone to a work function. I was at, um, bonefish girl actually. And our waitress came up and just was like, Hey, just so you know, we may need to move into a safer area of the building. And we were like, why? And she said, well, there's a tornado a little bit south of us, but it's tracking south. Um, some of my colleagues were in from out of town and were looking at us with wide eyes like, why aren't you panicking? <laughs> we're just like, ah, it's going south. We're fine. And then on my way home, actually, I was talking to your wife and you're in Berthoud looking up at the sky and I'm on the phone with your wife saying, I think that's a funnel cloud trying to form and watch two little funnel clouds try to drop. They scoop right back up, but was like, oh, I should probably turn around. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Curb yeah. myself in that weird breed. Yeah. Yeah. Spring, summer in Colorado. You got to love it. Yeah. I, I'm just really hoping I don't get any more hail damage this year. <laughs> yes. Can't do it. Yes. So. Uh, insurance. You got to love insurance. Yeah, for real. So one of the things and uh, kind of really the big topic for today is the bill that's sitting on Governor Polis's desk. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, House Bill 260, which is the transportation bill. All total, it's $5.4 billion. With a B. Yes, billion with a B uh, over the next 10 years dealing with transportation. Kind of what's your thoughts on this? Well, um, right out the gate. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I think everybody that has listened since I started on this podcast knows that I really do not like when bills are pushed through without a vote. And that is currently what's happening. It's been approved up to Polis's desk, he has to sign it, um, and it's not going to go to a vote. So essentially, they went straight so, around voters. I guess really what we're talking about here is the overall increase of fees. Yeah. Where one of the things that we voted on last November was Amendment 117 that passed that said if you're going to have – if you're going to issue a fee that is going to take in greater than $100 million in the next five years, that it has to go to a vote. And so one of the things that we deal with in Colorado, which I appreciate, is the TABOR, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. Yep. And so it forces them to – it forces our our House and our Senate, our legislation, to if they want to increase taxes, that they actually push it out to a public vote. With this, there's a total of four different increases that happen where if they were all combined, then it would have to go to a public vote. But being that they have separated these fees out, now they are able to kind of skirt the system. Exactly. That, that I take issue with that because that was a very shady way to do that. <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, is we're, we're going to be shady like that. And, and we don't have a choice. Yeah. 
we're not going to make those decisions and we're talking about some pretty significant increases. Um, you had a really good list, but uh, it was like 27 cents added to delivery fees, 30 cents added to Uber and Lyft rides that were not from, um, electric vehicles. Um, yeah, let me get back to that. I was going to say it was a pretty big list. It was like eight cents, um, increase on gas like eight cents a gallon per year. And then it could go up to like 22 cents a gallon. Um, I, I don't know if I have that right or not, but there was no. some pretty big, yeah. Tell me. No. So what's going to happen amounts. is in 2022 is when these fees are going to start to take place and it's going to initially start with the two cents, mm-hmm. uh, increase on tax or on, on each gallon of gas that's sold. And then it's going to increase up to eight cents over the next few years. Um, so from 2022 to 2028 is when it's going to go from two cents to eight cents, but they put a caveat in it. Yeah. That was the one I didn't like. So they put a caveat in it that, and they actually put the same caveat in all of these fees that it's subject to inflation. So right now we're already running double the expected inflation that we should normally have based on the fed. So, but it's also calculated far different than how it was calculated in the 80s and 90s. So the Fed tries to keep us at about a 2% inflation rate, and right now they're saying that we're at about a 4.2% inflation rate. Yeah, it's been kind of ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, yeah. if you've gone to the Home Depot and bought a 2x4 recently, you understand. So that is one of the, the fees that's going to take place, and it's going to, to ultimately, it, from 2028 to 2031, is supposed to increase an additional $0.04 cents per gallon. But again, that's where it really takes into account, after 2028, the cost of inflation. So and with already at the start of this year, our gallon of gas has gone up almost a dollar a gallon, and then you start adding more taxes into that. That's one thing that is raising a lot of people's interest into this bill. And it's also the fact that this bill was passed on the 2nd of June. It's been on Governor Polis's desk, and yet he has yet to sign it. Interesting. Do you think he's going to? Um, if he doesn't, then after 10 days, it's what do they, what do they actually call it? Um, I know a couple of people that <laughs> listen in are probably going to give me crap about this for not having it off the top of my head, but, um, it's a, basically goes into law without governor approval. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I have a question for you then. Um, yeah. and this is just, so we had all these, the law or the, the bill that Paula signed couple years back and you'll know the number because I don't ever remember, but it was the one, of course, essentially shutting down drilling in the state of Colorado. Oh, you're talking about Senate bill, um, 181. Yeah. 181. Okay. So we had 181 and it's my belief and this is just my opinion, but it, you know, what we did is we essentially increased our dependency on foreign oil. So we're going to have increases put onto our gas prices, all of those things to fix our infrastructure for electric vehicles. But what we're not going to be doing is anything to help with the price of oil. Cause you know, that's gas, all of those things. We're not going to do anything to help with that, but we're going to charge more for it. <laughs> yes. And so some of the, some of the aspects of this bill is it is about electrification. And so with this bill, you have um, an awful lot of money that is going to state and local or to local governments, um, whether they be local town or, or counties to be able to 
um, tr- transition from gasoline powered vehicles in their fleets to electric vehicles. Um, so that would require that we had like, you know, more charging stations. Very much so. I'm trying to the find the ability it. for those vehicles probably to be purchased for government agencies. So of course they were in line with that kind of stuff. Wow. Uh, there is, I have all kinds of thoughts on that. Let's dive right in. Um, who in Colorado stands to benefit from electric vehicles? I guess, what do you mean? Well, you know, there's always, there's always somebody behind the curtain, right? That financially it benefits them for these things, for money to be dumped into it. Of course, you know, you have construction companies, all that, that are going to be contracted to build roads and build the electrical vehicle stations, um, all of that stuff. But I guess I'm kind of surprised. This is a huge, and really this is kind of a, a cloaked bill. So a total and a total of 5.4 billion, right? Five point, but it's broken up into four pieces so that it didn't have to go to a vote according to Tabor. So we broke that apart. So we didn't, it didn't have to go to a vote because they didn't want to have it a chance that they could, we, as voters, we could deny it. The funding for it. Correct. Some, yeah, some of the aspects of, of the bill I can understand is there are some roads, bridges, um, highways that, need to be fixed and we need the money to be able to do that. And this is something that we've talked about before on the podcast yeah. is something that we deal with on a daily basis with the I-25 corridor. Yep. And so with the fact that they do not have the money, CDOT doesn't have the full money to do the full expansion on the I-25 corridor here in Northern Colorado. They had to dive into a public part, our public private partnership. Yeah. In order to get all of the funds to be able to do the expansion, at least on section six and section seven. Yeah. So section eight, which is north of Mulberry up to Wellington, that one's not going to happen for probably a next decade. And it probably doesn't have to happen quite yet. Correct. Section five, that is from the first Longmont exit to birth it at 56. Correct. And that's the so, problematic area. That's 11 miles long. And they're estimating that it's going to cost anywhere from, on the low estimates, $350 million up to $800 million to be able to do that 11 miles. So in some of the stuff that they're doing within this project is, and that this bill will actually cover, is some of the mass transit. So the Bustang. Yep, yep. Bustang, um, I was shocked when I actually did the research on the numbers of the Bustang and how many people actually actually ride it. And when we had John Mark Patterson on, yeah. he was talking about how he utilizes it. So with this overall expansion of I-25, like 56 here in Berthoud, one of the things that they're doing, they're they're straightening out the Berthoud curve. Yep. I-25 will go over 56, where right now it currently goes under with the curve. Yep. But they're going to be putting in the Bustang uh, stop in between the northbound and southbound lanes. So, and they're going to have a big park and ride off to the east side of I-25 where people can walk under yeah, and under I-25 and get to the Bustang stop. So, and they're putting in, I think, three or four different Bustang stops in northern Colorado to be able to allow people to use the, the mass transit. And the with how they're doing it, I think they're doing it intelligently uh, because they're the reason why it's in between the northbound and the southbound lanes is so that way the buses will ride strictly in the managed lanes or the toll lanes. 
And so then they're able to get off, go into their station, come back on, and not have to cross traffic. Which is pretty a pretty cool concept, yes. honestly. Because the whole point of this is to is to limit the amount of wrecks. Well, right now, yeah. Uh, it, the Berthoud Curve is the highest wreck area that we have in northern Colorado on I-25. Well, and I, I would even venture to say that just traffic flowing in and out of that, that area, if an accident occurs after that, sometimes it's because of the problems that occur from that area. Correct. Okay, so let me ask you this. On this Transportation Bill 260, what are your thoughts on this? I see an awful lot of it as being good. The yeah. frustration that I have with it is how they're managing the fees because it is going to increase. So one of the things that they're doing is they're going to decrease the registration fees in 2022 and 2023 by, I think, $11 and then $5. Oh, and generous. then they're going back up in 2024. But really what we're seeing is the increase in taxes or the gas tax going up where it's currently at 22 cents and it's going to be going up to a total of 32 cents again depending on inflation uh electric vehicles are going to get an increase in their overall registration right now it's 50 dollars a year okay and it's going to increase from um 50 dollars a year to i think 97 dollars a year and again it's a graduated scale of how these are going to increase but it's the manner in which they push forward this bill and how they ha- they didn't want to actually bring it to the table and allow people to vote on it. That's the part that where they're just skirting the system. Yeah. And the fact that it's not bipartisan. It it was bipartisan or quote unquote bipartisan in the Senate yeah. when it passed in the Senate. I think that was on May seventeenth. Yeah. With one Republican vote. Well, that's not bipartisan at all. And then when it passed on June second in the House. It was strictly a party line vote. And so you have a lack of representation and they're pushing forward a $5.4 billion transportation bill. And so the fees are going to cover about 3.8 billion of it. The other 1.6 they're hoping to get from a federal transportation bill or some federal money to help fund the rest of it. So they're going to nickel and dime us on all of those fees. Who, who wrote this bill. Do you know who put this together? I don't. I'm just curious because if, you know, it sounds like the Republicans were not in support. Democrats were, and it was pushed through. Okay, fine. Um, whatever. I, I don't think it needs to necessarily be a party thing, but it sounds to me like this decision was made without all of the facts. And I, I, I mean, like you said, there are some really good things that are coming out of this. Like, okay, the the increase in electric vehicles in their um, fees every year is going to go up, what, $47. But you got to figure part of that is going to have to raise the money to build the infrastructure so that electric vehicles can be on the road in higher numbers because they they need charging stations and yeah, and that's, that. that's one of the things that we're already dealing with is with the electric vehicles is the overall infrastructure. Yeah. You know, if you're running a, a gas powered vehicle right now, it's very simple to when you get low on gas, pull into any fueling station and fill up again. Correct. And you're good. Uh, as far as the amount of, of electric vehicle charging stations, that's an entirely different topic. Tesla's really been the only one with their supercharger network that they 
they were forward thinking in it. But now you have everyone essentially kind of playing catch up. Yeah. And all of these new electric vehicles that are coming out, whether it's Rivian, whether it, whether it's the new Hummer, whether it's, you know, a Polster, any of these new vehicles that are coming out that are a hundred percent electric, they have to have the infrastructure in place in order to make it work. Correct. But then also it dives into a different dynamic of rural versus urban. We're in an urban setting. Electric vehicles make all the sense in the world. You know, if you're driving a little Chevy Bolt or something of that sort in downtown Denver, you've got a 200-mile range, not an issue. Correct. If you're living out in Sterling, you're living out on the Western Slope, anything of that sort, and especially dealing with major uh, fluctuations within temperature that affect battery life and overall uh, range, it makes it a far more difficult proposition to be able to tell a rancher out in Sterling, hey, you know, that nice, you know, 3500 diesel that you've got, you got to switch it over to a one ton electric vehicle. Yeah. And how are we going to be dealing with this? Well, I will tell you, um, just for your knowledge, the last time I was in Sterling for work, um, one of my colleagues drives a Tesla and actually had to stop and charge before she made it out there. But there was a, a station about halfway for her to charge. Um, and the hotel we stayed at had one. Um, so they're, I, and they're popping up all over. I hate, there's, I know that there are several out at, um, like there's Target and there's one over by the Jimmy John's kind of in that area here and there in Loveland. Um, yeah. so they're popping up for sure. And I don't know if you know this or not. This is just my curiosity. Um, Tesla has a lot of their chargers out there. Are those compatible with the other brands? Yes and no. Okay. So it's, it's depending on when the electric vehicle came out. Okay. So I, I'm pretty sure with some of like the uh, the first plug-in hybrids, as far as like with the Prius and that sort of stuff, yeah. I'm not sure if they're compatible. But also, it it gives preference to Tesla. Correct. Yeah. Now I was just curious because I don't I don't really know a whole lot about electric vehicles. Um, it's not really something I had thought about purchasing. I mean, you know, I'll certainly do fuel economy and all of that, but I just had not really thought about it. Some of the, you know, some of those. Some of those cars look pretty sweet. Yeah. And it's, I imagine that they'll all get to a uniform plug. And I think that they're probably pretty darn close to that if they don't have it already. Okay. Um, I've been out of the car business for quite, yeah. <laughs> for quite yeah, a that, few I, years. I so. just thought maybe um, you know a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but looking at that, I think it's going to be very similar to like the USB plugs on cell phones. Yeah, where, that's true. For years and years, it was every single cell phone that came out had a different micro USB charger. Yeah. You know, and you had to get the, the full packet with the, you know, seven different adapters to try and figure out which one was going to charge your phone. Yeah. Where all of a sudden everybody came out and said, no, we're just going to use one universal USB charging port. Almost everybody. For the most part. <laughs> yeah, at least the USB part of it. The, you know, yeah. then you don't have to search out a different block in your house. Yeah, you can use that block for all of them. So, okay. Um, any other thoughts on that? How do you feel like, I mean, is there, there's not really much we can do to stop it. So. No, no. And it's, it, again, it's a catch 22 because yes, are there an awful lot of reasons on why something needed to be put forward? Yes, there are. And it makes a lot of sense to be able to spend the money on the infrastructure, but Infrastructure is one of the things that I have issues with due to the fact that as long as I can remember, there's always been infrastructure bills. 
Yeah. And I understand about the ongoing maintenance. I understand about a lot of that stuff. I mean, growing up here with the T-Rex project and, and dealing yeah. with all of that um, down in Denver. So I understand that there's a need, but I also I, – I wonder when we're putting out this much money, there's got to be – a different type of road base. There's got to be something else that we can do that's going to add to the longevity of all of these roads. Yeah. Because it's a running joke in Colorado that, you know, we have two seasons. We have winter and road construction. Exactly. So. Um, interesting follow-up for you. Uh, several episodes we were uh, we were talking about the street in front of my house that I was talking about how vehicles, no matter what happens during the winter, somebody always gets stuck on my corner. Yeah. Um, they're actually starting work on some of that. Uh, they're they're doing some redoing some water lines and all of that because it's antiquated. It needs to be replaced, and therefore that section is going to be pulled up, and they're going to be doing that. Which That's is actually great. yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, I I just feel bad for the poor you know town car that gets stuck in it. My kids have to go <laughs> dig them out. <laughs> they get a lot of tips. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's you know. good. So it'll be interesting. We'll see what happens with yeah. it. Um, this is one of the things that like a lot of stuff that's going on down at the state right now is that people are completely unaware of it. Yeah. I just unaware that it's going on. They're unaware of who their representative is. They're unaware of who their state Senator is there. <laughs> and I think that that's part of what gets me almost every time that I have a conversation with somebody is I start mentioning, you know, your representative so-and-so and your Senate state Senator so-and-so and I just get the, the glossed over, who are you talking about? And that's one of the things that we need to be looking at moving forward. I agree. I don't think in a, in a two-party system, I don't think any party should have control of all three branches. 100% agreed. And that's, I guess, not all three branches, but as far as the governor, the state, or the House, and the Senate. There shouldn't be one party that is in control of, of all of that. Correct. Cause you need to have the conversation. And that's one of the things that we're seeing happening here locally in Loveland and Bertha and Fort Collins is the fact that you have these echo chambers. And when everybody agrees within the echo chamber, you may be 30 to 40 people and think that the entire town thinks like me when in all actuality, you are in the vast minority and not a lot of people think like you. And so that's where it creates an awful lot of conflict. It and does. You can see with this, with this transportation bill and the electrification of it, I can see the point and purpose on why they're trying to go to some of this stuff. But also, Colorado is a very vast state that has a lot of different areas. And when you're talking about the eastern plains versus the western slope versus the I-25 corridor and Denver metro area yeah no this is where we need our representation this is where we need people that are outside of denver to be able to say hold up you need to think about this in a little bit different light and is this something that should be more suited to the city of denver versus the state of colorado or the city of boulder versus the state of colorado or the city of pueblo Versus the state of Colorado. Right. And that's that's one of the things that I want to see start to happen more is there should be at the state level far less government control than at the local level. Well, and the idea, of course, of any government, I think, is that it does have that system of checks and balances. And I think that that's where this bill and other bills have sort of 
they've been pushed through because yeah. there is not checks and balances occurring. Correct. You know, I think there's a, a minority of people that um, have an agenda they want to push, and they're going to push that agenda no matter what anybody else thinks. Yeah. So, and I, I, I'm not, that's not to say that the transportation bill is bad. I just think that there are aspects of it and I really don't like that splitting it into four pieces so that it doesn't have to be voted on Yeah. that. I, that's something that's always going to bother me. I don't care what it's about. If I agree with an issue or if I don't agree with an issue, if it's pushed through without a vote and it's something that drastically impacts our state, it needs to be voted on. Yeah. So that's, I, that's just, I feel passionately about that one. <laughs> That sounds good. Awesome. Well, we I, I'm excited about next week. We've got a great guest on. It's going to be talking about affordable housing in northern Colorado. Yeah, which actually ties right into this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, so I'm excited to have him on and be able to, to pick his brain a little bit um, and really just kind of get back. I'm hoping that my voice is going to be a little bit better next week as well as some yeah. of this pollen hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, dies down. Oh, yeah, we won't have so much vocal fry. <laughs> yeah. No, I yes, oh, And I'm, I'm good with spring. I'm good with summer. But, man, I am done with pollen. <laughs> oh, I'm done with awesome. That. Well, thank you guys for tuning in as always. And as always, I'm your native Alex Johnson. And I'm your transplant, Jen Bryant. We'll see you next week. Take care.